In the name of the one holy living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. Happy last Sunday of the year. It has been a long journey, but we've made it. Some of you all look really confused right now. So let me back up, let me back up. Today is the last Sunday in our liturgical year. The season of Advent, which officially marks the start of a new year, begins next Sunday. So prepare yourself for the chorus of Happy New Year's you will receive next Sunday as you come in. But I digress. Today is a unique day in the church calendar. It is referred to as Christ the King Sunday. Now, you might think that it's a weird thing to mark Christ the King on our church calendar. So let's dive into a little history this morning. Shortly after World War I, Pope Pius XI began to recognize the rise in secularism um, within the world and certainly within the church. Uh, You had the Roaring Twenties here in the United States, and economies around the world were uh, booming. The rise of communism was taking hold across the world, and people didn't hold on to their relationship with the church or God as tightly as they once did. Because of this, Pope Pius decided that the church needed a little reminder of where our beginning was and where our end would be. Once celebrated in the middle of October, Christ the King Sunday, um, a change was made to the Roman calendar about 50 years ago to move it to the last Sunday of the liturgical year, right before the beginning of Advent. And about 40, 45 years ago, many churches in the Episcopal Church began to celebrate, and it eventually became part of our calendar. It's a stark reminder that Christ is our Alpha and Omega. But you didn't come here for a history lesson this Sunday morning, did you? So let's move on. Let's talk about this kingdom in, the day, in this day's oddity, you might wonder why we have Jesus' crucifixion narrative to contend with. Not the most inspiring pericope of scripture to use if you are looking for a king. Or is it? Here we have the culmination of the Roman Empire's effort to keep control. A deadly mix of religion and politics. In jest, they ascribe the title of King of the Jews to Jesus and implore him to save himself. Even one of the poor souls who received the same punishment as Jesus quipped that Jesus could save himself and those who hung next to him. The soldiers mocked, and the thief that implored uh, were working off of a different definition of kingdom and power a definition that resides in self-interest. Jesus rejects this emphatically and says, there is no place for that in my kingdom. 
And we know, in the end, God accepts humanity's verdict in the killing of God's Son and raises him from death into life. It shows that true power lies within, within love, not vengeance or self-interest. It is a pure contradiction to the world around us. It certainly was at Jesus' time. It was in Pope Pius' day way back when, and certainly still rings true today. You may say to yourself, that's great, that's nice. We need something that contradicts the world around us, something that gives us a little hope. So, where is this wonderful divine land that this kingdom resides in? Borders or land masses don't bind the location of this kingdom. It is bound by and held together by the Holy Spirit. Its subjects are not located in one place, but live among the kingdoms of the world. Its embassies are all around. And, in fact, you are sitting in one today. We hope that when people walk into St. Peter's, they see the characteristics of God's kingdom as it breaks through into the world. A place where your past doesn't dictate your future. A place where you can bring not just your joys, but your sorrows. A place that says you are enough and worthy. A place that says God is not distant nor vengeful. A place that says you too can become part of this kingdom no matter who you are. A place that loves mercy, strives for justice, and works to see the risen Christ in everyone around them. A place that not just prays, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but creates space for that kingdom to break into our very midst. This kingdom that we try to usher in takes the capital of this world, often described as money, time, and talent, and uses it, and if done right, in a non-self-serving way. Our money helps keep the lights on. You thought you were going to escape a sermon without stewardship being mentioned. Sorry to disappoint, but here we are. Keeping the lights on might not be the sexiest of topics, but it is important. Because keeping the lights on keeps people uh, have the ability to walk through these doors during the week to this embassy and to see the risen Christ. This happens when those in our community find their way to our food pantry, into Bible studies, into group activities, and when people come into my and Greg's office to celebrate joys and to work through the pains of life. The time that many of us gives to this embassy during the week helps create a wonderful space for people to ponder, to meet, to question, and to be in communion with each other. For example, the Altar Guild prepares this space every week 
so that you and I can hear the word of God proclaimed and meet the risen Christ around this altar and in each other. Our talent is plentiful here. From the words ascribed by our local authors, putting words to the human experience, to the music that is played and sung by our choir and musicians. We take what God gives us to, the, to steward and to do our best to use that abundance to make the kingdom real. Now, as we wrap up our fall stewardship season, I wonder, I wonder how this embassy of the kingdom of God, also known as St. Peter's, might be called in the coming year to make the kingdom of God more tangible to each other and to our community. How might we use our abundance of whatever we have to proclaim the good news of God's blessing and, as our collect says, gracious reign? A reign whose monarch was not marked by conquering with sword or weapon, but with love. A monarch whose throne is among us today in each of our hearts. Amen.